there was a young policeman just coming out of the police academy and uh, they were some of the instructors old time policemen were sort of throwing some tough questions out at them their last day or two and he asked this young man said uh, alright answer quickly what would you do if you were called out to arrest your own mother he said I'd call for backup (laughs) (laughs) hallelujah Lord thank you for this day thank you for all your love and grace and mercy thank you for everything that you have in store for us always uh, but especially for today right now uh, we are just looking forward to the precious matter from heaven that you have for those who hear this message today in this place and in the future by any other means. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you a little bit about the grace of God today. My uh, favorite subject. Because you can't separate the grace of God from Jesus Christ himself. The law came through Moses. But grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, it's it's an interesting time in which we live. Uh, No no mistaking that. Uh, It's easy to be negative. It's easy to focus on all of the negative because there's plenty of it. But that is really not God's best. Hmm? Not for believers. Amen. I want to just say, um, in the kindest, gentlest way that I, I know, that, and with great compassion and caring and love for all those who are hurting everywhere, especially now, um, but people are made for God and by God and the entire meaning of life eternal life is coming to know having an intimate relationship with God the Father and, and God the Son Jesus Christ huh? that's, what John, uh, that's what Jesus said in John seventeen three. so that's the meaning of life and when as a nation or as a people or a culture or a world we kick God out of our schools we kick prayer out we take the Bible out we take the Ten Commandments out people think oh that's just getting rid of religion no all those things point to Jesus And without Jesus, it's not within man to direct his own steps. We will make a terrible mess of it every time. So as Christians, it's not the time to withdraw into our church buildings and make sure we preach a message guaranteed not to offend. One size fits all. 
We are the salt and light in a sick and dying world. And we have to get out of the salt shaker and we have to shine light into the darkness. Darkness doesn't run off darkness. Only light does that. And when you withdraw the light, there's only darkness left, you see. Hebrews 13, verse 9. It says, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good, or doctrines, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened or established by grace. He goes on to say, not by foods which have been which have not benefited those devoted to them. He was talking to religious ceremonial Jews of the day. But he's just saying that it's good for the heart to be strengthened or to to be established on grace. Not on not by the law, which didn't work for 1,500 years. Not by anything that is man-made. Not by ourselves. Not by religion. Not by our own understanding. But a heart established and strengthened by grace. So what's that look like? Well, the first thing I would say is that it requires a life of complete dependence on Jesus. Hmm? You have to be not self-sufficient, but God-dependent. And it's a conscious choice, isn't it? We've been talking a lot about setting the mind. How that's our part. We have to, this decider, this soulless realm has to decide if it's going to Lean to the flesh or lean to the Holy Spirit, to the Spirit of God. The kingdom of God within us. All the love, joy, and peace we ever need is right here if we're born again. And we just need to learn on to draw on the character and provision of God. The grace of God. Everything established through the atoning sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus on the cross. Amen? Because... Knowledge, we all have some knowledge. Paul said that when he was, went on talking about this in 1 Corinthians 8 1. He was talking to them about the same things foods offered to idols and things like this. Things that were supposed to, by just their religious actions, you know, make them acceptable unto God. He said, No. He said, All of us possess knowledge. And I think we can all agree. We all have some knowledge. We're all ignorant just on different subjects. But <laughs> we do have some knowledge. Amen. But he went on to say in 1 Corinthians 8.1 that knowledge puffs up. Makes us proud. But love builds up or edifies. Huh? And then in 1 Corinthians 15.10 Paul went on to say he took it even further. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
Because he had a pedigree, don't you know? He had a long line of credentials. He could have boasted and bragged about. And actually, he, he said, let me get into flesh for a minute like y'all. And he listed them and went down that road for a minute. And he said, but all oh, that's just dung. It's just garbage to me. All I know, all I profess to know is Christ and Him crucified. The grace of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am, he said. And his grace toward me, watch this, was not in vain. In other words, he didn't frustrate the grace of God. He put it to use. He said, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Talking about all the other apostles and those who... We're supposed to be important in the church and all that. He, he just said it. He said, I worked harder than all of them. But then he, did, he didn't stop there. He said, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God that was with me. He didn't take the claim for any of it. He credited God with everything because every good and perfect gift comes from God. Amen. And if he had done it in his own Effort in his own self, in his own intellect, he would have made a mess of things. So everything good that was being credited to him and attributed to him and all the great revelation and everything, he said, that's all from God. And I'm sure that the people listening in this Corinthian church knew that he also meant all the... all. If you've seen me, me raise people from the dead, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, if you've seen me and heard me speak with such great revelation, and he mentioned it from time to time. He said, this great revelation that I have. But that's not boasting if you're giving the glory to God. Moses wrote that he was the meekest man in the world about himself. <laughs> That, that's, that's not, if that's true, that's not bragging. Because he didn't even think of it as bragging. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's like Jesus stood up here and said, I'm the greatest that ever lived. Unlike Muhammad Ali, he would be justified in his saying. And it wouldn't be proud. It would just be the truth. <laughs> Amen. So... A heart established in grace is a heart that is lives dependent upon God, not yourself. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Look at that. That we may receive mercy and find favor or grace in the time of need. So we... Approach with boldness and confidence the very throne of God. Not in arrogance. There's a difference. And we find favor there. We find the grace of God there. Isn't that something? That we could walk right into the office of the Creator of all the universe and call Him Daddy. James 4, verses 6 and 7 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'm saying this because there's, there are spiritual laws at work, remember, and we're learning to cooperate with them all. I've never seen the Holy Spirit work inside of pride. 
He just waits his turn. Because when you get into pride, you've, you've, you've said, hold on, I, I got this, God. You see, and he says, okay. When you screw it up, call me back. I still love you. <laughs> That's as simple as I can make it, folks. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Isn't that interesting? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he goes on to say, so submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So, why? Because God has given you the grace to drive him away. So when we're dependent upon God's grace, we'll fulfill all that He's called us to do and to be. And there's, there are ways to tell if, if we've stepped back or stepped away from the grace of God. If you ever start to second-guess yourself, you get too introspective. Hmm? We all have done that. You start comparing yourself with others. I could preach a whole message on the sin of comparison. Or you start condemning yourself. You didn't do a perfect job. These things all indicate a heart that has become dependent upon yourself and not the grace of God. I prepare a message for you guys every week. And I, I show myself, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm diligent. I, I, I work, I study to show myself a workman approved, uh, you know, to, to do, to, to, uh, to show my respect and appreciation and my gratitude for the calling and to show how serious I take it. So I put a lot of time and effort, I would say, into preparing myself just so that I can stand before whoever, whenever, <laughs> you see. <laughs> but when I get before you, I fully expect and demand respectfully before I ever started this business, don't let it be me. I only want it to be you, Lord. Now, in His wisdom, <laughs> He knows He's using a one-time broken vessel to expound from. So, yeah, you know, sometimes you eat the flesh and have to spit out the bones a little bit. But never... Never be fooled. God is at work right here in this pulpit today. He's here. There are angels here. Hallelujah. God's, God's word is going forth and it will accomplish that which it was sent out to do. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to hear something today that's going to change their life. Hopefully all of you. It's, and it will. The Word of God is alive and active, powerful. Hmm? Pulling down strongholds. Uh, we're going to get to that in a minute. Get ahead of myself. Another thing about a heart that is established or strengthened by grace is the fact that we walk in peace. We're living in peace. This is a big one. That's a big one. 
But you know, it's ever before me because it's one of my favorite scriptures. It was such a personal thing that Jesus did for us on the night of his betrayal. John 14, 27. He told them, he talked about the Father. He talked about the Holy Spirit. He talked about lots of things that night, didn't he? So much to say. Last night. But then it's like he stopped. He wanted to give them a personal gift. John 14, 27. He said, peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. And they'd seen it at work. Then he made sure they understood he wasn't like everybody else. They knew, not as the world gives do I give unto you. Not going to take it back. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's your part. So that's a promise. That's a gift from Jesus Christ himself. And I take that serious and I... And I have struggled. Huh? I'm going to, you know, every one of us have in that area. But it's still a promise. So it's still a part of the grace of God. It is on account for you and it is there to be tapped into at any time. It's an abiding fruit of the Spirit. Hmm? It lives inside of you. 2 Corinthians 13.11 Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. When I I see that word, restoration, I think of who? Y'all know one of my favorite passages we've been talking about. Who needed, and it was so beautifully restored at breakfast on the beach? Peter, yeah. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Hmm? agree with one another, live in peace. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So we're called to a life of peace. Proverbs 3.17, talking about wisdom, says her ways are are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Speaking about wisdom, and wisdom is an aspect of God's grace. We all want to walk in wisdom. I hope you all pray for wisdom every day. Because it says God's faithful to give it to you. And He won't won't look down on you about it. Matter of fact, I believe He sees that as faith. Then when you ask Him for something, don't, don't doubt. He says, then you're double-minded. You won't receive anything. It's not because he's going to get mad at you. It's because he can't can't get your focus long enough to get it solidly founded in you. huh? Because you're stepping in the flesh, back in the spirit. I'm waiting on wisdom of God. I'm I'm terrified. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. I'm back and forth. I'm vacillating. I'm to and fro. I'm a mealy mouth fence sitter, and the fence belongs to the devil. Love you. <laughs> you get my point. I just tried to make it clear so we understand because this is the help that we need, huh? And if we understand how God's ways are, how the things He has in place for our benefit, and how we are to participate, our part to play, then, then I like knowing that I have a part to play. <laughs> I don't like this cop-out ministry where it says the sovereignty of God is total. Whatever will be, will be. 
because it gives me nothing to say to the crackhead downtown this morning. I guess that's where you're supposed to be. That's a lie from the devil. You see? But you can't have it both ways. I've had them sit around and say, Oh, all of you are right where God has you to be today. This is exactly where... And I say, that's all great for the people here today. But what about the people that are places they shouldn't be? See, that's not the will of God. I'm going to get too far off track. Wisdom is an aspect of God's grace and all of her ways are paths are peace. And now it's it. Seventeen times in the New Testament it says grace and peace. Grace and peace. One of the most familiar and one of my favorites is when Peter said grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of Jesus, right? Why grace and peace always listed together like that 17 times in the New Testament? Because they go together. Like peanut butter and jelly. So this is another litmus test for us so we can do a little check up from the neck up if, it, if, you, if you would. When you've lost peace, then you've left grace. Hmm? And sometimes it's an unconscious thing. No one would purposely say, ah, <laughs> I'll be back, Grace. i got to get into fret and worry. I'll be back. So what's the answer? Jesus said it so clearly in that beautiful sermon on the mount. It's referred to Matthew 6, 6. He says, but when you pray. He didn't say if you pray. <laughs> when you pray. Go into your room or into your closet. Now listen, don't make a doctrine out of that. I'll, I'll expound on that a little bit. And shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So when you go and pray, when you go into your closet or you go into your room or, and you shut the door, you might have a war room like that, that, that sweet Christian lady in that movie, War Room, where you have a closet with your scriptures and your Bible. Hey, that's awesome. Or it might just be a chair in your living room. It might be a 15-foot run in your house where the carpet is worn out where you walk and pray and pray in the Spirit and you speak to God. It might be your favorite rock on your fishing place. It might be the forklift at your job. It's where you get alone with God. Huh? The place where you get alone with God. And what he's saying is when you get into your your place. When you and God get together. And it's just you and him. Shut the door on all that junk. All that garbage you're dragging in there with you. Leave it at the door. Don't bring it in. Don't bring in the worry of the world. Don't bring in stress. Don't bring in the things beyond your control that tempt you and just give it all to the Lord. Huh? Just just cast your cares upon the Lord. Cast all your burdens on Him. You're one of His sheep and you were never meant to carry a pack on your back. 
And then, when you free yourself of all those burdens, sometimes it can take a long time, especially if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you don't, and you don't pray with the gift of tongues. As I recommend highly to everyone, because it's you have you can you can save yourself a lot of time getting right into the throne room of grace and shedding all that flesh that sometimes takes you a long time to pray off before you get there. But either way, it's good to be there in the presence of the Lord. But you know when you get to a place beyond your flesh and you get into a spiritual place where it's just you and the Lord. This is what you have to do when you're trying to make tough decisions. You have to go and pray until you know you get break beyond your flesh. And it's not just your fleshly desires that's telling you, I think this is God. When it was really just your flesh wanting something, you know. That's another message as well. But when you get to that place... And you get free of all that junk. You've cast your cares on the Lord. And then your heart will become thankful. Happy people are thankful people. And you become thankful and you begin to praise God. This is, this is important. You want to enter His gates with thanksgiving in your heart. You want to enter His courts with praise. This is telling you how you should be approaching your father. Even though he's your daddy. There's a lot to be thankful for. And that He is praiseworthy. Amen? Amen? Remember how we talked about the power of your prayer and your praise and your thanksgiving? huh? Philippians 4, chapter 4. This is one of Tabana's favorite passages of Scripture. It was one of the ones that really helped to set us free. And... Uh, and to show us that we had the ability to not live out of our emotions huh? when we uh, first really got on fire for God. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8, starting in the 6th verse. Yeah, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Uh, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious for anything, but in all things, or in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. And then the, the verse that was really powerful to Tavana. Finally, brethren, whatever is true. See, when God tells you something like this verse 8 right here. He's giving you an instruction what to think. I remember a, a great friend of mine, a dentist, who's been on my rodeo committee with me for 20 years. This was his last year. But I, I, he's awesome. But he told me one time, he said, I, I, I have no problem with the church or with the Bible. I just, I just don't uh, agree that they should be able to tell me what to think. And that sounds good, but it's totally ridiculous. He was probably told the wrong way, you know. But if God's telling you something, it's for your own good. And here He is telling us what to think in verse 8. And what it's telling us is that we have the ability to think this way. 
And that's powerful. He would be unjust to tell us to do something that he hadn't given us the grace to do. So, whatsoever things are true, whatever is honorable, I'm going out of the English Standard Version, it won't line up with your King James, but they're the same words. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable or of good report, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Wow, what a novel idea. <laughs> that scripture right there will change your life for the good and everybody you know, if you'll put it in your heart, make it your own. So when you take it to God, you give everything to Him. When you let Him help you, the peace of God is going to kick in because that's where you want to be, right? Worry never helps anything. I say worry like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> oh, song, nobody ever stopped the rain by complaining. And that's the truth. I've never seen anyone fix anything by worrying. Man, if I'd have just worried about that a little bit more. We could have got it fixed sooner. It just sounds silly, doesn't it? But we act the opposite sometimes. We think that's the only... Leave me alone. I just got to worry right now. And not only that, we get mad at everybody else if they don't too. Hey... Things went south and I went with them. Why are you still up north? You know. You just don't care. You don't love me. You see, one sin begets another, begets another, begets another. Now you're judging someone's motives. And that's a sin. It's okay to say, you, you said this and it... I don't like that. Or it didn't... It hurt my feelings. Fair statement. You say, you don't do that. You said this and hurt my feelings because you don't love me. Or because you hate me. Or you're jealous of this. That's judgment, folks. <laughs> you're not entitled to that. Anyway, just a little extra for free. <laughs> I want to encourage you today, though, folks. I mean, all this is just for our welfare, for our good, for our benefit, to build us up. Amen? The Lord knows what you're going through. Everybody, we all go through things. We're not all going through the same thing at the same time, but we've all been through some stuff. And we look at these little ones and we just pray that they never experience some of the things that we have and that's good but you know life is life is going to happen and man sometimes it's it's tough but i want to tell you that god knows right where you're at he loves you more than you've ever loved anyone or anything in your life or ever been loved by anyone in this world do you know that and he's telling you i don't want you to go through this in your own strength. 
I don't want you to think you have to. I love you. And I'm here for you. If you'll just come to me, he says, just enter into prayer and cast all your cares onto me. I'm there for you. We just enter into his presence. We just praise him, give him thanks. Unload all that junk and leave it with him. Don't pick up. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm leaving now. Let me get all this stuff back. You, you throw that last part on my back. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. No, 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 no. Don't pick it back up. You gave it to him. Now, he gave you his peace and he promised he wouldn't take it back. Now, you give him your junk and don't take it back either. He, he wants it that way. <laughs> Hello. He really does. You know why? Because He loves you. You can't handle this in your own strength. I got it. I got this. That's nothing. That's no hill for a climber like me, He says. <laughs> Let me help you. Ah, oh, Jesus, I, I got this. If, if you would just... It's like somebody that comes to you and Andrew cracks me up about this. People will come and they say, well... I got this and this wrong and this other thing and, and then this and, and then I got oh well this thing but but if God if he would just heal this thing the rest I can handle I'll do he's like well dummy you think if God just healed it all the lights in heaven would dim you, you think that's too big that's too much to ask he's a big God He's already provided for all of it, actually. And he, he just wants you to receive. Just believe and receive. Go in there. Close that door on all that junk. And then the peace of God, it starts to return. It's coming back. You left it because you were leaning on your own understanding. But now, you just start thanking Him. Cast all your worry upon Him. You start thanking Him for all the positives in your life. Now, let, let me tell you, this is a big one. Because what we want to do is complain a little bit. We've got a, a needs list and then we've got a complaint list about, about him or her. <laughs> And so what we do, okay, so when you get to that part, what you do, thank you, Lord, that somebody is willing to live with me. <laughs> they may have their flaws, but I know I do too, Lord. And would you help them, help them today? Just bless them and just wrap your arms around them today. And I don't feel like it, but would you? Please? No, I, I will too. I, <laughs> I do love them. I do love them, and I'm just going to... Let me think of some more good things so I can get happy about them, and I'm going to tell you about those. And I'm going to tell you the same thing about my job. Thank you that I have a job. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I pray for all those people at work, and I, I pray for my... You know, uh, you know. I know the doctor said some things, but uh, I know by your stripes I am healed. I'm just standing and believing. I, I, I know the manifestation is coming. And I, Lord, I'm, I'm still standing upright. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you that I'm still drawing breath on my own. And I and I can walk across this, the room without, you know, you hadn't scrambled my brain, you know. Thank you, Lord, for all the things I do have. Hmm? Yeah, I'm telling you, that's a that's a better way. The same with the finances, same when the same when the neighbor has the, the bigger house or the new car or you you spend too much time on Facebook and you because the only pictures people post is all the wonderful ones in the boat, uh, you know, on vacation, and you know, and there's toes in the sand with the margarita. Hey, sh- give me a give me a shot at six thirty in the morning when y'all are throwing up and uh, and your flight's delayed. Come on, I ain't never seen none of that stuff. Let me tell me how hot it was. Tell me how y'all fought the whole time you were there. No, I don't want to hear that stuff. I'm glad they just post the good stuff. That's how we need to talk to God. Praise God. (laughs) We just need to post the good stuff with Him and it'll propagate more of the same. Hallelujah. The more we brag on Him, the more we have fun with Him, and the more we admit how good He is. He already knows everything we need, folks. Most of your prayer life should just be thanking Him and praising Him for all His goodness and everything He has done and everything that He has provided and and all the good things He has in store for you. And then if you need something, please do slide that in before you end with some more thanksgiving and praise because I want you to remember who provided it for you when He does answer that. So mention it to Him so that you know who did it when you do get it. And you can run back to Him and give Him the praise report. And thanksgiving again. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> if you're stressed, if you're worried, if it's just that's not the kingdom of God. That's not the best that God has for you. That's not what He wants for us. And we just need to shut the door on all that junk and just leave it with Him. huh? Until that peace... That abiding fruit of the Spirit rises up and just rests on us. And just anytime something else tries to come, just protect that peace. That's the same with our healing. That's the same with our joy. That's the same with everything that Jesus has provided through the atonement. You're not trying to obtain the victory. Quit praying and trying to get God to do something for you. Just claim what He already has provided. It's a lot easier to protect what you already have than it is to try to get something you don't. And if your prayer life isn't working that great for you, just trust me on this and just change the way you pray a little bit. It's better to believe that there is a good God and a bad devil and that God has already made everything available for you. You know someone that is established in grace, their heart is established or strengthened by grace is also someone, also someone who looks at others through eyes of grace. This is, a, this is a big one too, folks. You need to have that redemptive view toward others. <laughs> Grace people should be gracious toward others. Isn't that right? Look for the good in others. Don't always be looking for the negative in people. Trying to straighten them all out. This is a big problem in the church. This is, a, this is a problem with a lot of church folks who just went to church and got religion and forgot to 
get a relationship with Jesus. Because that relationship, that time spent with the Lord, and that looking and reading this Word through new covenant lenses of grace, and seeing Jesus and everything, and reading it from a from a point of view of your being righteous. I am the righteousness of God. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I am justified. So you're... All the good stuff is for you. Hello. And that's how you need to look at it. You need to read this Bible through the new covenant lenses of grace. And you need to see others in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of non-profit prophets in the body of Christ. <laughs> and I, I have tried to help some. And uh, of course, they sometimes they... See, you can tell a Christian that really loves the Lord. I mean, somebody who's walking by the grace of God because they see, receive correction as well as they do praise. Some people can't be told anything. And they already know more than anybody, so it's really hard to reach them. But I've tried to help some that I've known like this, that just they just came across to everyone like an Old Testament prophet. They were like James and John before Jesus had to make fun of them and, and give them the nickname Thun, Sons of Thunder because they wanted to call fire down on a town and burn them up because they, they rejected them. And so they, they saw Elijah had done it in the Old Testament. And they said, you want us to call fire down? And Jesus said, no. You don't know what manner of spirit you're, you are. In other words, that's, that's over. Grace and truth have come now. Mercy and peace and love. huh? And he, and he, and he laughingly, jokingly from then on called them the sons of thunder. That's how, that's how fun Jesus is. It, Breaking down fire, sons of thunder, you know. So it was a joke. That's what it was. And if you haven't ever laughed with Jesus, you're missing out. You're taking him way too serious. And you know what? When you go to him, speaking in this King James language, you know, watch. I have nothing against King James. It's that's the best literal translation. I just don't understand English. I'm a Texan. But when you speak to him that way, and that's not the way you talk to your best friend or your husband or wife, then he's like, "What are you doing?" I was I was in a church setting one time in a in a minister's conference, and one of the I don't know how many places I was ordained, and then I, we were at a big conference in uh, Florida, and there was hundred preachers in there, and this apostle had them uh, had us all get up on the stage and just get on our hands and knees and just cry out to the Lord sackcloth and ashes seriously and I remember being down there and I'm like okay you know and I'm like oh Lord please please you know and every once in a while I'd be like hey. And finally, I heard him just so clear. He said, what are you doing? I'm doing what everybody else is doing. He said, get up and go sit down. So I did. 
They all cried and wailed up there for a little while longer. And I was fine. I was sitting behind my seat, touch, sitting there with Jesus, laughing at all them. <laughs> I wasn't laughing at them. I wanted to. <laughs> he wouldn't let me. He said, no, you need to look at them through eyes of grace. See, you've, you, I have taught you grace because I, I told him if I was going to do this, he was going to have to be my teacher. And he agreed and it freaked me out. And I thought I, I, thought, I, <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to get that privilege, but he agreed to do it. I'm sure glad he did. You know that prodigal son in Luke chapter 15? I won't go over there today for time's sake, but you know, a lot of people are hurting today like we talked about. And especially now, instead of being corrected and judged and and you know, people aren't gonna care how much you know until they know how much you care anyway. And Jesus doesn't need you to be the Holy Spirit. We make a terrible Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be witnesses, just beacons of light and love with a testimony about what Jesus has done for us. That's the only message you really need. And the fact that Jesus died for your sins on the cross and He was buried and raised from the dead on the third day and He lives today and He's, He wants you. That's the Gospel. And then your testimony. And that's the best sermon somebody's ever going to hear. That prodigal son, though, you know that that boy, he he uh, he was the younger brother of the two, and he told his dad he wanted the inheritance, which in that day was basically like saying, "I wish you were dead, Dad. <laughs> I just want the money." And he and he his dad gave it to him, and he rejected his father basically, and he went off and he lived a terrible sinful life for a little while till he ran out of money and found out all the friends he had bought for a season weren't really his friends at all. And about starving to death, he decided to go home and try to get a job from his dad. Not to be restored or to expect anything to be like a son again. He knew he had thrown all that away, but he was repentant and he, he went home, didn't he? And he had a big story, a big speech worked up and you know, but the father was watching for him when he was a long way off. I could see him just standing out there. And when he did see him coming, he ran toward him, which was undignified for that father to do in that day and time. And he embraced him and kissed him. And he didn't even let him get partway to that story, did he? He didn't want to hear all that. He was just glad that his son had turned back to him. And he put shoes on his feet. He put a robe of... That's the robe of righteousness. You know, it's all symbolic. It means he was in right standing again with the father and with the family, huh? He put shoes on his feet. He gave him a signet ring, which, which was basically the credit card of that day. It allowed him to conduct family business. It says, I'm... I'm the heir. This is who I am. In other words, he forgot about having given him his inheritance. He didn't think of that as, well, you got your part now. And yeah, you know, you can just come work. See, that's what the son had figured out. That's how we think towards God. I, 
I've already made my bed, you know. I have a friend that I'm praying to be saved and he says things like that. I'll preach. I've just, you know, I've done terrible things. He was a, he was a Marine sniper, you know, in the recon division, did several tours over there and he's done and seen some terrible things and he just said, oh, it's too late for me. You don't understand. Just pray for my wife and kids. That's a, that's the wrong thinking. And I'm praying to get through to him. But that's how we think sometimes. But it's not, not how God looks toward us. He took him in and he loved him. He restored him. Just like Peter was restored that day on the beach, right? Which brings me to my next point. A heart established in grace is one that lives in victory over sin and strongholds. And you're like, oh, I knew he was going there. And talk about my sin. Preachers all the same. No, it's not for that. It's to help you if you want the help, huh? Titus two, eleven, back there with all those five T's in a row. Then that little P, Philemon, then Hebrews. But Titus chapter two, verse eleven and twelve, I talk about these scriptures all the time. It says, For the grace of God which brings salvation has appeared to all men. Nice. That just shows that we're not just saved by grace because grace alone, without us having a positive response to it, which is faith, won't save us. Because if the grace of God, has, which brings salvation, has appeared to all men, then why aren't all men saved? See what I'm saying? Grace is established. It was already taken care of 2,000 years ago, and it's available to everyone. It's God's will that all should be saved, but they won't be. So there again, that, that shoots down that sovereignty message that everything is the will of God, whatever is, kesara, sarah. No. God says, my will, that none should perish. But we know that Jesus said the, the highway to hell is pretty broad, and most are going to be on it, not the narrow path which leads to life which he would rather you be. But Titus 2, 11 and 12, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness. Look at that. Teacher, teaching us, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So, in love, folks, I'm saying, if you're living a sinful life, then you haven't really come under grace. It's that simple. I've had people tell me their sin was okay because of grace. Huh? <laughs> and it was a it was a hard time because I never did get through to them and I continue to pray and I hope that God sent someone else that could Better articulate and help them. If the, but they have to want it too. They have to want the truth. But the grace of God, and this is this is fundamentally important and imperative. And if you get this, you'll be ahead of most of the Christians in the world. But the grace of God is the enabling power of God. 
He is not enabling us to sin. Huh? Is He? So if, if you say that the grace of God is your license or it gives you the okay to sin, I'll do the best I can and Jesus covers the rest. I've heard people say that. That's not true. Now, you're forgiven. You're redeemed. But there are spiritual laws at work. There is a devil, a real devil, and a real devil's hell. And you don't want to go there. <laughs> and the devil is trying to trick everybody he can to agree with him because it opens a legal door into your life and he will come in and steal, kill, and destroy any opportunity he gets. That's just the truth. But God doesn't want that for you. That's why He's provided the grace of God which has to be obtained by faith. Grace doesn't teach us to live unholy lives. It teaches us and helps us to be more holy. So grace apart from transformation in a person's life is just a perversion of grace. Grace doesn't make obedience unnecessary. It makes obedience possible. Grace doesn't make obedience unnecessary. It makes obedience possible. The grace of God is the power and provision of God to be and to do all that He's called you to be and to do. The undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor and blessing of God, provision of God, power of God, at your disposal because of what Jesus has done. That's why we don't want to neglect or frustrate the grace of God by leaving it Unclaimed in the baggage check. <laughs> huh? Jesus said, It's good that I go away so I could send the helper. Third person of the Trinity is waiting right there to help you with everything. That paraclete to come alongside you and take a hold together with everything that comes against you in this life. And that is perfect power and peace right there. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we still to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means! Exclamation point. The words Paul used there, it was like, it's like, I'm doing everything I can not to cuss. How can we who died to sin still live in it? See, what he's saying is you died with Christ and you were raised with Him to new life in Him. So sin just just isn't who we are anymore, folks. It's just the wrong identity. You have a new identity in Christ. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Yeah, you look in the mirror and say, look the same. Still got some stinking thinking. That's why we talk about spirit, soul, and body. Because that spirit, that part you can't discern whether your natural senses has been renewed, restored, made holy, and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Perfect forever. Now, you're trying to draw upon that to renew this, this soulish realm. 
by the washing of the water of the Word of God with the help of the Holy Spirit. Romans 6.14, Paul went on to say, 12 verses later, for sin will have no dominion. You know what dominion means? Control. No control over you. No dominion over you. Sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law. See, the law is the power of sin. You know that? You kids, don't you throw rocks at this yellow house and put a sign right here. They might have walked past that yellow house every day for 10 years. You put that sign in the yard and see how many windows are left at the end of a month. Sin will have no control over you since you're not under law, but under grace. See, the grace of God is the empowering provision of God. So any area that we have that sin has dominion or control over us, it's an indication that our heart is an establishing grace in that particular area of our lives. You know, we're very compartmentalized. <laughs> because God says sin won't have dominion or control over you when you're under grace. So sin and strongholds need to be dealt with. And the way is not by trying harder, is it? And so people tell me, oh, Pastor, I'm going to come, man, I'm going to come to church. I just got a couple things that got to get straightened out. Well, Jesus, what, what, uh, what Scott Hinkle say a few weeks ago when he's here? He said, uh, Jesus likes to catch his fish before he cleans them. Huh? You don't get cleaned up to take a bath, folks. Come as you are. You know? And if you're in a grace church, then then it doesn't mean you get a three-week three week reprieve and then after that we're going to be really watching you and make sure all the sin's gone. What if, uh, if somebody drunk or on drugs walks in the door, we're just going to give them a hug and love on them, aren't we? But, oh, you give them a couple of weeks there now. Oh, you should have gone straight by now. Come on now. That's not God. I mean, looking at people through the eyes of grace. Same grace that we all needed. But, sin is an indicator that we haven't submitted that area of our lives to God and got it under the grace of God because then sin would have no control. Or dominion over that area of our life. So, see, I said the sin and the stronghold. You know what a stronghold is, huh? So, let me just say it like this. Temptation, we're all, we all have, there's temptation that comes at everyone. Jesus was tempted in every way as we are. That's why, that's why we can go to Him and He relates to us, huh? But temptation isn't a sin. Temptation Plus, your agreement with that temptation results in sin. You can never go anywhere in this physical body that you haven't already been up here in your soulish realm. Sin plus agreement equals a stronghold. Mm-hmm. When you agree with that sin and you just that just becomes... That's just, that's why it's so hard, so hard when there's some with today's culture and the things that have been called good, the evil that has been called good in so many areas of our culture. And people have founded their entire lives around a lie. And now they have strongholds that 
can't even be dynamited out. It would take, it would be too painful. It would destroy too much of the life that I've built around this lie. So even if you tell me, I'm just going to, I'm going to get angry with you. And then I'm going to go find a church or what calls itself church that will agree with my stronghold. Which is a lie of the devil that I have believed and agreed with and made part of my truth. And you see, my truth, if it doesn't line up with the truth of God's word, is just a lie. So to fix it, you have to dismantle the stronghold. You have to to come out of agreement with the fact that you're saying, well, that you have to live in sin. I'm just a sinner. You know, you people say, well, that's just the way I am. I can't change that. Or or you just don't want to, to face and acknowledge that God's way hasn't been your way in that area of your life. You know, so how do you do that? Well, you depend on God's grace. You have to become dependent upon God's grace because didn't the Scripture just say that it teaches us to deny ungodliness and how to live a godly life? So grace gives us the power to overcome all sin and strongholds. And some people just, they have their minds made up and they're just not going to let the Word of God interfere with what they believe. And that's a sad, sad thing. But if you really want to be free in every area of your life and allow God to have the glory for bringing that freedom upon you, then there's no good thing that God will withhold from you. Are you with me? He wants you to be free. He wants us all to be free. I'm just going to finish up here. I know I've gone a little long today, but that's okay. My wife told me not to call myself long-winded anymore because I'm doing what God called me to do, and she was right. So thank you, honey. (laughs) The last thing is that a heart established by grace has a constant or consistent expectation of good. This is another big one. It just means having a constant expectation of good from God. Expecting good things. Psalm 23, 13 said, I would have lost heart. This is David. And you have to go to the King James or the New King James because others left this first part out for some reason. But he said, I would have fainted. And again, that's King James. And in in our culture, we think of somebody fainting. But what he's saying is, I would have lost heart. I would have lost hope. I would have given up. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Proverbs 27, 13. I would have lost heart. So David states here the problem and the solution. I would have lost heart. I would have given up. I would have become hopeless. Except I believed that I would see 
the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That means in this life. That's an expectation of good. David's the one who would preach himself happy. You see, just like Paul. That's where Paul learned it probably by studying David. By getting to know Jesus. By believing all the promises and provision of God. And how and believing in the goodness of God. Good God, bad devil. Get it straight. So, if we're walking in grace, we'll have an expectation of God's favor. You know that word favor in the Greek is charis. And so every time you see favor in the Bible or grace... It's the same word, charis. Every time my daughter or, or my wife leave the house, and my daughter doesn't live with us anymore. She's been married for 10 years, but I still think of her as a little girl. But I've always, when they're leaving, I always, I'm always speaking that. Favor of the Lord surrounds you as a shield. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You are blessed and highly favored. You are above only and not beneath. You are anointed, loved, protected child of God. You are the light of the world. Amen. It's good to say things like that. To speak it. To make declarations like that. David said, I would have lost heart. But I believed in, I believed in the goodness of God. I believe I was going to see it. You know, it's one of the things that I cling on to in this life. No matter what comes at me, I start lifting my eyes up. I lifted my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I looked for the promise of God which says there is always times of refreshing with Jesus Christ. I'm like, that's okay. This, this too shall pass. Times of refreshing are coming. God has good things in store for me. Hallelujah. If we expect bad to happen... If we're fearful of life, if we're fearful of sickness, if we're fearful just of living. I, so many people are just afraid of life right now. And it seems to be getting worse. If we're always looking in the rearview mirror, if we're haunted and condemned by our past, then our heart is not established in the grace of God, which is what He's called us to be. I can't hardly listen to the radio anymore. And I love music, man. I was so glad when I found KSBJ after I got born again. I, I, I have. I did not like the old Christian music. Ooh. I was like, whoa, Lord, I love music and I don't think I can handle this. And then I found KSBJ and I found some good Christian sort of pop. And I'm like, yeah. But you know, even half their songs are not New Testament stuff. They just need a good teacher. But even a lot of the songs that I used to love, man, I listen to them, I'm like, oh, man, that is not God. God, that is not, that is not of God, you know. And I'm not saying, oh, Elvis the pelvis is the devil, you know. It's not religion. It's just some, you can get so full of the truth, you can't stand the lie anymore, and you don't want that going in, you know. Yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. <laughs> the way we were. 
No, man. God is a God of today. A God of the future. He has forgotten all that negative and He don't want you dragging it. I'm coming, Lord. Help me. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Give me all that baggage. Quit toting it behind you. Dragging it into every relationship in your life. Be free. Come under the grace of God. Aren't you tired carrying that load? Hmm? (laughs) You know, Christian hope is a confident expectation of good from God. And all of our hope is related to the cross and the resurrection life of Jesus. So, we just need to ask ourselves sometimes, are we expecting good? Do we expect good? Think of all the situations and circumstances of your life. Are you expecting good from God in that situation? Do you know what you have already been, already has been put into your account, credited to you? Do you know what came from the cross when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior besides just the forgiveness of your sins? Do you believe that not only forgiveness, but deliverance? And healing and all the provision, everything that you need for life, this life and godliness has already been granted to you. And the problem is we just get this thing in the way and we let our experiences rule and govern what we believe. And then we get to that old place where we say, well, when I see it, I believe it or I hope so. And you can tell by the way they say it that that's not the Christian hope that we're talking about, which is a confident expectation of good from God. We need to live in a a place of peace. We need to look at others through the eyes of grace. We need to get to the place where we have placed all of our compartments of life, all of our the the, the 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 areas of our life under the grace of God and gotten rid of the sin and the strongholds that have weighed us down and kept us kept us out of out of the the out of alignment with God. He says, How can two walk together unless they be agreed? You ever seen a sack race? I mean, you know, or somebody that just you just get out of step. That's what he's saying. He said, and, and you know, in other words, and, and, and what he's saying is, I, I, I'm God and I, I walk perfectly. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with my stride. <laughs> so, in other words, it's like, he's not saying, let's find some common ground uh, and I'll meet you halfway. <laughs> Can't do that. His way is perfect and his will is perfect. And the reason he's not going to meet you halfway is because... Without Him, your way is not perfect. And He wants the best for you. Eh? So He says, you need to agree with Me. And then all the desires of your heart will be in agreement with the desires that I have for you. And then I'll give you all the desires of your heart. Because we'll be in agreement. We'll be in relationship. We'll be, we'll be so close that nobody can separate us. And that way I can protect you. 
And that way I can provide for you and love on you and teach you how to help others with that same help that I've given to you. Amen? I've got to stop. But uh, we'll start again next week. Amen? I love you all, and I, I pray that you got something good out of this message today. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff to uh, meditate on and to, uh, to reflect on, and I hope that you'll make all these truths your own because it's just God wanting to love you and help you. These are, these are some trying times, and people are hurting, and, and this isn't just to make you feel worse. It's to make you feel better and to know that there are solutions that God has in place for you, and that He's willing and waiting, and He doesn't want you to carry the burden of anything on your own. He wants to take it all from you so that you can always walk in peace, that you can always walk in the provision and prosperity and health and wholeness and peace and love and joy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day once again. Thank you for these beautiful people that have come here to partake of the manna from heaven. Thank you, Lord, that the enemy not steal it from them. We, we just say that it is blessed, seed, and protected, and sown into good ground, that it will take root and bear fruit in their lives. And we just thank you, Lord, that it will grow up and, 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 and strengthen them. And they strengthen them in their hearts. And they will be established and strengthened by the grace of God. And they will walk in the joy of the Lord all the days of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you all.